Thank you for tuning into the Monocle Dynasty Podcast, where we keep an eye on Dynasty football. Your hosts, Crescent and John, dive deep on players, rankings, strategies, and much more. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at Monocle Dynasty. And now, here's your host. Welcome to the Week 5 Sunday Football Recap. Uh, today, I'm going to be joined by Nubs at Nubs. I never like it never sounds right when I say it. I don't I don't know what to say or how to say it. It just sounds weird. So I always say it weird and I always say it multiple times. And then it feels like even more it. awkward. <laughs> <laughs> but appreciate you joining me again. Uh let's get right into it because we got a lot of a lot of football to talk and uh we got some a football game coming up here in, in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um uh, these might not necessarily be in like exact order of, of how they uh, came across, but it was just like kind of when I was taking my notes, um, I started with the the Rams against the Washington football team, which still sounds weird to say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but basically my notes of, at least for the Rams side of the ball was uh, Jared Goff looked good again. You know, he, he kind of had, he had like two games in a row or at least, you know, last week he really didn't look that great. He was just doing like little short dump offs and, and things of that nature. And he, he actually looked pretty good to me. I mean, he 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 was making some nice throws. Uh, he had more time in the pocket. It seemed like uh, you know he, he wasn't really under as much duress. And the Washington football team's D line is is pretty good. So I mean, that's actually saying something for the offense. Or you know, I I think another takeaway was like Higby's blocking a lot. He's not running a lot of routes, and so you know I think that they're actually using him in that way. Uh, to help Goff rather than having him go out and actually run routes. Um, uh, did you notice anything like that, or, or did you t- have any other takeaways from their offense? Uh, it was it was nice to 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 kind of watch the game and see that they were able to do the best they could neutralize the pass rush of Washington. Like it didn't seem to be a hindrance at all, like for most of the game, and that really helped them jump out to to a lead. Now, I didn't expect Washington to be able to drive right back down the field and answer um, the way they did. I thought Washington was going to have a real hard time moving the ball. But I agree. I uh, I had uh, come away with this game with a lot more confidence in Goff for the rest of the season. It feels a lot – obviously, the, the record says it, but it feels a lot like that offense is – I don't want to say back because it's not the same offense, but it's back in the way that it's it's being very, very effective. Yep. And, you know, like once again, their defense is pretty good. So it's not like it was going up against the Panthers or, or something like that. Um, another thing that, you know, stood out was the running game. You know, th- it was basically a three-way split. But to me, Akers stood out as as like the clear you know, best back. You know, maybe not like the lead back. He didn't get the most touches. Uh, Darrell Henderson got the most touches and uh, in the running game and in the receiving game uh, as far as the running backs are concerned. But – Akers just looks better and, and it shows up in the box score. He had like, I think like six yards per carry compared to the other guys that were like in the threes somewhere around there. Like, I think it was like 3.8 for Henderson and like three even for, uh, for Brown. And I mean, it's one game, but we know that he was the lead back going into week two or week three when he got hurt, when he hurt his ribs, I think it was week three against and, Philly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, he he started the the game off with three straight carries. Now, that doesn't always mean that like he's the only one that's going to get any touches or anything like that. But he he did start the game. He did you know get the first three touches of the game, and then he got hurt. So I I kind of wonder what next week's going to look like 
if uh, if they say, hey, he's healthy, you know, is he going to get the start? Is he going to be the lead back? But it's kind of a gross three-way split right now and uh, not the kind of three-way that I normally like. <laughs> Touchdowns are going to feel random in that backfield for a while, I think. Um, but yeah. with what Akers brought, he, he runs uh, with a very mature style. So that's um, – it's good to see because, like, we're still seeing Henderson – basically only have that one speed, that one gear. And if there is a hole, he hits it. Now he has looked, he has looked better in his ability, his ability to read um, the line and the linebackers and kind of see where he wants to go. But I, I just don't see the subtleties that acres brings and acres has only been a pro for what a year, like six months, eight months based on the fact there hasn't been any training camp. So yeah, it's very, if you've, if you own acres, you should be, pretty confident in what you have going forward it's just more or less being patient until the the workload gets into his favor yeah i mean at least he came right back in and had some touches it wasn't like he was relegated to the bench because henderson had a nice a week four or anything like that uh, or week three um when he blew up on the other side of the ball i don't think there's really that much to take away except for i mean it was really cool seeing alex smith get on the field um it was kind of crazy watching it. You know, if you're watching the game, like mm-hmm. watching your wife, you could see how freaked out she was. Like, I mean, I I, I felt freaked out and I'm not his wife. You know, so mm-hmm. I can only imagine how she felt. And so I, I don't know. It, it was just one of those things. It was really cool to watch, but the entire time, especially like he got sacked on what the first play or the second play. I think I was it was the second play. Out. Yeah. I think it was the second play. And it, I was like, Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. But he got Get back up. up. And he played the rest of the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they jumped on his back. He got sacked from behind. Yep. So it was just like, oh, God. I actually, when I was watching the game and he was coming in, I was like, please play action and throw a bomb right away. Please play action and throw yeah. a bomb. Because that would have been the greatest highlight. Like, I don't think anyone roots for injuries, at least if you're like a normal person. So it's so right. awesome seeing, seeing him be able to celebrate a guy come back where that would have been just picturesque. That would have been running Sports Center for six hours in a row. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. I mean, unfortunately, he didn't look that great, but I mean, that's kind of hard to expect anyway. Um, you know, coming in in the middle of a game and, you know, he hasn't even been with the team for that long at this point. So I I mean, they, they've already announced that Kyle Allen's going to be the starter, assuming that he's healthy uh, going forward or at least for this week. Um so it doesn't look like the Alex Smith uh, comeback tour is like, you know, fully back, but it, it was still cool seeing him. But the, the only other takeaway I had uh, was JD McKissick is like the clear third down back. Um, we kind of already knew that, but people kind of ha- had uh, ideas that maybe Gibson was going to start taking more of a role because of how he's looked the past couple of weeks. And I'm um, looking at it here. He had a 20 McKissick did uh, had a 28.6% target share in week five. Uh, and he and he has 14.6% on the season. So, I mean, he's the clear third down back. Not to say that Gibson's never going to get any receptions or anything like that, but uh, unless there's some, like, major changes right now, it seems like McKissick has his role, Gibson has his role, and, yeah, Gibson might, like, blow up at times, but it's really going to be probably more of a split, and, you know, Gibson's not necessarily getting, like, the high-quality touches like McKissick is. Well, I would say this. McKissick... With the the benefit to McKissick right now, not comparing to Gibson, but the benefit is that they are not afraid to run McKissick between the tackles, so he doesn't tip the hand to the defense about what's going on because he can also be a runner. Um, it's very, I, 
I want to like solidify my opinion on Gibson, but I can't. Oh, yep. like I feel the same back way. And forth. <laughs> I, I I liked his potential coming into the draft. I did not expect him to be a huge factor coming into the season, but then when he gets the ball, he you always kind of feel like he's going to break one. I'm not saying he will, but like I like yeah. that that idea or that threat where you can kind of romanticize that a little bit. Not too much because you don't want to put him in your lineup if you don't need to in terms of having better options where you can romanticize too much and you don't score. But I feel like there's good things coming for Gibson. I don't know exactly when or how if they're going to try to make him the one lead. I think that would be a mistake because having him both stay fresh and having more threats in the backfield kind of uh, work to make the game plan that the defense has to has to prepare for a little bit thicker. So I don't I don't think it's ever really that good of idea at this point to make him just the lead. But you have to be pretty confident what you were able to see um, when he does get the ball being pretty electric. He's not going down on the first hit. He's actually doing a really good job too uh, covering up the ball because there's a lot of the times they're actually the first thing they're doing is swiping and not even going for the immediate tackle. They're trying to make the turnover or, or create the turnover. So. Just something to pay attention to. Yeah, I mean, would you feel comfortable with him in, in like a flex spot or, or something every week? Or you? Yeah, yeah. Depending on the health of my team, if my team is pretty strong, I would rather the upside of Gibson in a flex spot than more of a floor play like like a Landry or something of that nature. Yeah, I can see that. So no, I agree. It's just I think. I think we kind of got at least this week. We kind of got an answer for like, is he completely taking over? And I, just, I don't think it's going to be that. You know, I think it's going to no. be more of a split. But he does always have that, uh, that flash that he can take it to the house and, and you know, get you that big week and that upside. Um, the next game I have here is the Panthers Falcons, and on the Panthers side, my takeaway were. Uh, like Bridgewater's just taking a lot of short, quick passes. And, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the, the he's not, he doesn't have a lot of time in the pocket. You know, he, he's, he's trying to get the ball out. And even when he does, like, he's so scared that he's just going to get the ball out quick anyway. And unfortunately for DJ Moore, he he's running the deeper routes. And, and so Robbie Anderson's doing the quick slants and everything. And, and you're seeing it like he'll, he hikes the ball. He takes two steps and he just throws it right to Robbie Anderson because Anderson's right there and he's usually open and Anderson's doing really well. But then we, we, but we also saw this week what DJ Moore can do when, you know, when he touches the ball and he's electric and, you know, in his own right. Um, I, I, I still feel like as the games progress and as they get more comfortable with each other, that Teddy and, and DJ are going to connect more and that it's going to get like, things are only going to get better for DJ. But, you know, like I said last week, you know, watching the film and I watched the film on this one too, you know, it just, they're both open. Like they're both great receivers, him and, and Robbie. And, and it's, it's just going to be a really nice thing. And I think Bridgewater is the one that's undervalued right now. You know, like people were doubting Bridgewater hashtag at Deshane's and, uh, <laughs> you know, <it's> just, <laughs> and, you know, it's just one of those things where like he, he's showing us that he can throw it down the field, but you know, he's also taking the smart, easy, you know, short routes. And unfortunately for like DJ Moore stands like myself, that's just half the time. That's uh, Robbie Anderson, you know? Well, I think rules done a good job, really um, tailoring this offense to his talent. He, he's been really good at that throughout his career, even going back to college. 
uh, he'll play to his strengths where some people just have a system or they try to fit players into a system or a certain type of play style. And he, he really does uh, do a lot where he's able to be a chameleon and kind of change what his team does. Now, mm. this was the first game in which DJ Moore actually got yards after catch, which was really nice to see. Um, I don't know if we need to temper our expectations at all due to it being Atlanta. That being said, I'll I'll take this as a, a nice stepping stone to gain a little bit more confidence in the fact that DJ Moore hasn't lost anything. I've also a DJ Moore stand as well. So um, it's really nice to actually see him perform to what we envision him to be in our minds. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like I said, I, I watched the the film on the last two games because I wanted to know, is it, you know, is DJ Moore just not getting open? You know, is he doing something wrong? Is Bridgewater just not looking at him or anything? And I don't see that. And I, I do I do see that he's running the deeper routes. And so, of course, if Teddy's trying to get the ball out very quickly, of course, that's not going to you know, lend itself well to DJ Moore running a deep post route or, you know, something like that. Um, but I also saw, like, especially this week, when he did get the ball in his hands, he was electric. Like, he was gone. And, you know, obviously on that one play with a 56-yard touchdown, whatever it was, but then there was other plays, too, where, like, you know, he could have easily been tackled for a three-yard gain, and instead he got 15 yards, you know, and it's just – uh it's only a matter of time before. And actually, you know what? I just remembered. I was uh, I was looking at something on Twitter the, uh, earlier today, and somebody posted. I, for, I wish I could remember who it was, but somebody posted that uh, the stats from the first four weeks or five weeks of last year and the first five weeks of this year, and DJ Moore is actually outproducing what he was doing last year. So, I mean, think about how good DJ was to, especially to finish off the year, finish off the season. And he's already producing more than, than he was at the beginning of last year. So I, I always see good things happening, but Anderson's definitely going to be a part of it. And it could be, you know, like those hit or miss kind of games where, you know, this is an Anderson game. This is a DJ Moore kind of game. And, you know, it, it might not be where you can count on one of them each week, you know, like that kind of thing. This is the game in which Robbie Anderson's defender decides to fall down so he can take the ball 60 yards for a touchdown. <laughs> right, exactly. And I mean, but that that being said, like it's not like on this on this game or in this game that like DJ's defender fell down. DJ was just gone. There was no one stopping him on that game <laughs> on, mm-hmm. the, on that pass. Yeah. Well, the other mean, st- Robbie Anderson did that early in the year, and it was like, oh, he blew up, and I was like, he just right his defender fell over. <laughs> And that's what, that's another reason why I, I do like to go back and look at the film when something's telling us different, you know, like, it, is it, is it just a fluke? And we, there'll be a game later on that where I, I kind of feel like that might be uh, that we'll be talking about later on, uh, not, not necessarily the Panthers and the Falcons mm-hmm. uh, on the other side of the ball. I feel like Matt Ryan really needs Julio. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's probably not too much of a stretch, but like, man, he does not look good without Julio in there and it took like everything that they had just to like somewhat try and stay in that game and it didn't really work yeah uh I would be selling Matt Ryan if you can I've tried and I haven't really succeeded in that that area but uh I would say that uh I I, because the team is so bad and they're they're defeated at this point do they blow it up? Like, is that something where they, I don't even sure if anybody trades for Ryan, but can you expect like the same, even any sort of like where we, we envisioned, or at least we had an expectation that Matt Ryan would be a top 12 quarterback. Can we even 
think that way the rest of the season or are we overblowing one week or a couple weeks or whatnot. But even against the Packers, he looked awful as well. So, yeah, like Calvin went went um, scoreless against Green Bay, and they. I don't obviously in the, in the second half they kind of played him less, but it, there were a lot of like kind of just balls that were just not placed properly. So we got to kind of think about: is it more of a confidence thing? Is he is he somewhat hurt somewhere, or is it just he's toast? And I've never been the biggest Matt Ryan supporter, so it's a little bit. I don't know what to think if if it's bias where I'm kind of confirming what I believe, or is it something that I need to pay more attention to before I make a decision? Well, I don't think anyone can doubt the fact that Julio has helped Matt Ryan his entire career, or like the majority of his career. Um, and and so, you know, and obviously Calvin Ridley is a good wide receiver, but he is not Julio Jones. And you know, like if if teams are able to. And remember, this is the Panthers' defense. So, like, yeah, Calvin had a good game, but I wouldn't get too overly excited about it because, I mean, it's the Panthers' defense. They haven't stopped hardly anyone yet. Um, they did look a little bit better in this game, but that could just be, you know, Matt Ryan making them look better, you know, like you said. Um, I don't know. I Obviously, I w- I'd like Julio. I have Julio in a couple leagues. I would like for him to get back as quickly as possible, uh, but also, you know, more so than just for my teams, but just to be able to see, you know, like, find out the answer is it is that he just missed julio or is it is ryan you know completely done completely toast uh the other thing was you know todd Gurley looked okay you know if you look at just the the box score like it looks pretty good but you know watching his runs like most of the big runs were like giant holes to run through uh actual good blocking or just the panthers being terrible on defense like like the run touchdown run the early one that was just bad angles there wasn't a, well. There wasn't a single person that could even get close to him. I mean, it was like that. There was a six foot hole for him to like jog through, and then <laughs> you know, like next thing you know, he's like he cuts it up, and then no one, you know, everyone just takes terrible angles, and I mean, he doesn't even get touched. Um, no, not taking anything away from him. Like that's what you're supposed to do. But I just, I feel like you might want to sell after this game. I've been preaching that. I, I, it was like third week. I said if, if the next week that Todd Gurley scores a touchdown, you got to trade him. But he's been outperforming what I've had for expectations. And I was a huge Gurley fan when he was he was drafted and he was with the Rams. But I there's so many question marks and there's so many different pieces of value you could get now, even in terms of picks or other players, that I can't really make an argument for keeping him unless like there's nobody else available on, in your league and you just need them to you know play your, your running back spot but I will not feel comfortable because there's gonna be there's gonna be weeks that especially because now that they're they haven't won a game and they're pretty much out of it pretty pretty soon if they're not already out of it now that yeah. it could really impact the play calling or even the rotations because they might want to chest out what they have in hill and all and you know everyone else behind them so yeah, that's true. And I mean, and who knows what's going to happen with the new coaching, you know, system coming in and and everything. I mean, I I think they're still going to use them for the time being. But like you said, if they're zero and seven, zero and eight, zero and eight, I mean, at some point they might just be like, we don't really need this guy anymore, you know. And and maybe they would even think about trading him. Um, that would be very I interesting. I know I was reading something from uh, Rich McKay, the, the general manager was talking about how they're not going to just blow up the team. They're not going to sell off pieces and everything. They want the new 
coaching regime next year to come in and kind of make their own decisions. But, you know, if, if a team needs a running back at the trade deadline, you know, I, I don't think that they would you know really turn it down either. Mm-hmm. Definitely something to think about. Mm-hmm. So that brings us to the Bengals and the Ravens. And it was just an ugly game. I mean, the Ravens defense is just really good. <laughs> and uh, that was like my biggest takeaway. Not that it was really a takeaway. Not that it was like I learned anything, but the Ravens defense is just good. Joe Burrow looked like a rookie. N- nothing wrong with that. He is. And, um, you know, the I guess one of the biggest takeaways on the Bengals side is that Joe Mixon was still a workhorse back and got a lot of targets, even though that they were behind the entire time. You know, whereas in the in the past we saw like Gio Bernard getting out getting out there and getting all the receptions and getting all the third down touches and, and things of that nature in uh blowouts, especially or when they were behind. Well, we didn't really see that as much this week. So that was at least like even though Mixon didn't have a great game, he also didn't have a terrible game either, because I think he had eight targets um and maybe six receptions, I think. And so, you know, that just that's that's always going to give you a decent floor, at least in PPR or half PPR. Like you're always going to have a decent floor, and then obviously he could. We know what he can do when he has the blow up games. He came in too questionable uh, before the game, so who knows if he was 100 percent healthy or if he was working something as well. But I totally agree. It's very nice to see him actually get the workload that he deserves. I think I think Burrow's pretty special. I know that like they didn't have a good game this week, and he played like a rookie, but. I think there's a lot there to be to if you're a Bengals fan to be very excited about going into the future. Um, kind of when I what I was able to see of the game, um, I thought Higgins looked good. Um, I'm one that I, I believe in him. I just don't think he's got like I think he's he's more of a stiff athletically in terms of side to side and stuff. But he was getting open on the sidelines. He was you know creating that cushion where his, his cornerbacks had to at least respect what he could do deep, which was good to see. Um, I actually expected a very big game from Lamar this week. I thought this was going to be his blow-up game. But I think, once again, the game plan or the score and the game plan dictated that he didn't have to do that. He was pretty accurate with his throws on a lot of his throws. It's nice to see Hollywood actually have a game, too. Um, I don't know if we want to talk about AJ at all. <laughs> I don't know if we have to, <laughs> for, Dave, for Dave's sake. Maybe we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right um yeah with going back to Lamar you know I feel like he he made some really nice throws and then he but he always has these like the easiest throws that he misses and it's like how do you possibly miss how could you be five yards off on a guy that's three yards away from you and you know it, it's just it's it's like mind-blowing but you know he only had what like a 52 percent completion rate in this game against the Bengals defense um I know it's I know it's division. Division games are always different. And and like you said, he didn't really have to do anything. And I know he was injured uh, you know, during the week. He had the knee issue, and then he had a stomach bug. So, I mean, maybe there's excuses for it. But he just did not look very good. And, I mean, obviously it shows up in the box score. Like, he didn't have a very good fantasy game. But even just, like, NFL-wise, he just didn't look that good. But then he'll come out of nowhere and, and have, like, an amazing throw to Marquise and, and everything. So there's still – Highlights. There were still uh, like glimmers of hope, but uh, you know, I just when when he misses those little easy dump offs and things like that, it's, it kind of blows my mind sometimes. I'm with you. I I don't know if it's like the arm motion, but like yeah. where 
there's a lot of them that they sail and then he'll try to like adjust on the next one and it'll be just in a, as inaccurate the other way on right. the short ones i don't i don't know why and i don't know who i was listening to but they threw an idea about the read option abilities with dobbins because dobbins being a lot more explosive and i mm. agree with them because uh when that's that becomes something that could be installed in the offense and he actually gets the touches or the the snap share that that we're expecting going forward at some point that could add an extra wrinkle where then you're ba- you're running that read option with Lamar and it's just that much more effective but i still don't know how that improves the you know the short accuracy but it probably brings the linebackers up and improves the efficiency in like the mid mid to deep range plays because then you're behind the linebackers with Andrews or you know some sort of deep out with with uh, Hollywood I'd like to see more passes because I, I like Hollywood's target share right now. He's at right around thirty percent, but I'd like to actually see yeah. him get more in a higher volume. So, no, I, I definitely like Brown. I never Brown's talent was never the issue for me. Brown, it, it was just like the target, or the target volume, Absolutely. And, and you know, and then like I said, I'm I, I haven't always been the biggest fan of Lamar's arm. So, like, can Lamar get it to him accurately? every game or, you know, each week uh, consistently is, I guess, what I should be saying. And so, so far we're kind of seeing like he can get it done, you know, from time to time, but that target share is very nice. And I I do like, uh, at least you might be able to start using him as a flex or possibly like a wide receiver three or something like that. And obviously he has the upside that he can still win you your week, you know, on the right week. The only thing, the last thing I I wanted to say about the Ravens is, uh, J.K. Dobbins needs to be unleashed. Like this guy is a freaking stud. I don't understand. I I know that they don't need him. I know that they don't need him to like actually win the games for them. But like you drafted this guy and he's so freaking good. Just play him. I don't. God, makes me so angry. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just uh, because I know that um, Edwards doesn't have a deal next year, or his deal ends this this after this season. So it could be that they're just trying to maintain and prevent a bunch of extra mileage when it's not necessary right now. Edwards right. has gotten a lot of a lot of carries, though, so that might be something to keep an eye on as well if you're looking for a running back off the waiver. Just for... And Edwards actually looked pretty good, too. I mean, yeah. it's not like he... I mean, he's like... He's not necessarily just getting what's blocked, but, like, their offensive line is pretty good. But he, he doesn't ever look amazing or anything, but, I mean, he's getting you, like, five, six yards of carry, and, I mean, mm-hmm. that... In fantasy, that can still be pretty good. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, you don't really want any of those running backs right now. At least, you don't want to have to start them. But it wouldn't hurt to have them on your bench as like an emergency option or, or something like that. And when you're getting five to six yards of carry, you're most likely going to appease your your coach, and he's going to keep you in the game. So, something to consider as well is his carries could go up the carry rate or or however you want to say it. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh, so that's going to bring us to the Jaguars and the Texans. And this was like, this feels like James Robinson's floor game. You know, like he didn't, he didn't look amazing. Or, no, actually, that's not true. Like he actually looked pretty good out there. He just, he did not get a lot of carries because they were behind, you know, a lot of the time. And, but he did get a decent amount of uh, receptions. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I think he had like 12 points in a PPR league. Not going to win your week, but it's not going to lose your week either. And, you know, for, for somebody that people got off of waivers or, you know, for really cheap in trades and, and things like James Robinson is becoming like a legit fantasy option, like viable option for you. And it's kind of crazy. Like every week I kind of expect it just kind of fall apart. But I mean, he's, if you look at his stats, if you watch him play, 
whether you want to be, you know, the numbers guy or the film guy, like either one, he looks good. It, it, it's working out. So I, it just seems like that's kind of his floor at this point, like 10, 12 points, something, something like that. Yeah. It was so weird with this game. You, if you weren't looking at a scoreboard, you would have thought the game was a lot closer. And I know that the Jags missed, I, I believe it was at least two field goals in the game, but like, I actually wasn't too bothered with what I saw from, from uh, Minshew. I thought he, he was confident in a lot of his throws. Obviously, you know, they didn't win the game, so not everything was perfect. But I was actually, I was very uh, just pleasantly surprised with, with how they played. Now, Houston shouldn't really feel at all comfortable about how they won this game because they didn't really play that well. And they didn't really play that great a defense either. But no. going back to Robinson, yeah, I, Robinson just didn't get the goal line in terms of like they didn't have carries down there. So right. when they're down there, he'll – he's going to get those touches and he's going to most likely score a touchdown on a minimum of like three to five attempts at some point he's going to get put in the end zone. So then you have an 18 point week in PPR. So I agree with you on Robinson. I think that's a really good move. I mean, there's, there's very few running backs out there that are getting the opportunity share that James Robinson's getting. And, you know, it doesn't sound overly exciting because of the Jaguars offense, but you know, he's kind of shown us that it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, but then as far as uh, Minshew goes, like I, I kind of feel with Minshew kind of how I felt with Matt Ryan, like Minshew really needs DJ Chark or like this passing offense really needs DJ Chark. Like LaVisca did fine, but like that's really all it was. It was like he did fine. He, like, he, I don't think LaVisca's at the point yet in his career where he's going to go out and like win the Jaguars games or, you know, do enough. Like it seems like he can be that like gadgety kind of guy or that like, you know, get you seven yards when you need seven yards kind of guy, which is great. I mean, you need that, but he's not going to go out and just like blow up and have 200 yards and win you a game. Like we know that DJ, DJ chart can do. I think, I think Visco would need a mismatch to do like, yeah. like that. What you're describing is a huge game. Do I like him as a threat and has an option in the offense? Absolutely. Is it someone I trust yet? No. Is it someone that I might be trying to acquire? I haven't in any leagues. But hypothetically, I think that he would be a target to go out and get because if he's showing this much flash as a rookie in terms of their ability to keep him in the offensive game plan and kind of maintain that, I think that's important. But yeah, I agree with you. A, 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 a player like like Shark who like keeps the offense on schedule in terms of his contributions as well as how he affects coverages Another another speed receiver might be nice because yeah you have Cole and Conley who are 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 solid in terms of like being on your team as like a three or a four, but another um, another element in this offense would be very useful at this point. Yeah, I agree. I mean, they have a lot of picks next year, right? So I, I think they'll uh, they'll be they'll be making some moves and, and, you know, they might have a pretty quick turnaround as far as their offense, you know, once they get a quarterback and another receiver or something like that. And, uh, but I think the interesting thing, like pe people are going to be really worried about is James Robinson going to get replaced or like, as he, you know, solidified his role on the team. And uh, that'll be very interesting to watch. You know, I, I think the way he looks that he, that he has, but you never know with undrafted free agents, you know, I feel like Waddle would be a good fit here. And I'd love to see like Rondell yeah. Moore. I don't know. Actually, I'm not sure what game we're going to next. So I'll probably save that until we get to that game about it. The team I think <laughs> would be a good fit for Rondell Moore. 
right. Uh, well, on the other side of the ball, real quick, mm-hmm. on uh, the Texans, uh, same thing I was talking about with the opportunity share with uh, James Robinson. David Johnson actually had an 84% uh, opportunity share this week. And that's kind of good to see for him because last week it really wasn't it wasn't really like that. I think he was in like the 50s or 60s. Um, Duke Johnson came back and he took a lot of the receiving work last week. But then this week it was really it was right back to David Johnson. He he really did it all and he actually looked pretty good. And I know it's against the Jaguars defense, but I mean the David Johnson's looked pretty good when he's had the opportunity this year. And, you know, they've had some – we know that, like, they had some terrible matchups in the beginning of the year, and now the, uh, their schedule is kind of lightening up a little bit. So, David Johnson, like, he didn't have a big blow-up game or anything to where it's going to be like he's untouchable. He might be a guy that you need to go get, especially, like, how the running back situation is or across the league. You yeah. Know, um, you go get him for a second or, you know, a second and a third or something like that, or even if you have to throw a late first at him, it might be worth it. People that that just watch the stat lines or see who scored the just look at the, the total points scored after the game. There was a, a a pass that was thrown to Johnson that was overthrown that should have been an easy touchdown, which is another free six to eight points right there yep. that he didn't get. So that this could be a chance to sneakily buy low on him. I I can't believe I'm advocating for certain players to be purchased at this point or going <laughs> to go get acquired, but. I feel like yeah, 2020, man. <laughs> based on based on what you might be getting and his perceived value, you might be getting him for value compared to what his output's going to be the rest of the season. I agree. Yeah, definitely. And then obviously, like the Brandon Cooks out of nowhere blow up game, you know, kind of blows my mind, especially because in one of my redraft leagues, I I was like, no, nah, Cooks is going to be the man. He's going to be the man. And finally, this week, I was like, all right, I have to drop him and get somebody else. And then, of course, he blows up, completely blows up. And I knew as soon as I dropped him, I knew it was going to happen. But uh, I, you know, if the reason why I held on to him as long as I did is because if you looked at the, if you looked at the target share, if you looked at the snaps and the routes run and everything, like he was on the field, he was doing it, he was running routes, he was getting targeted. It just really wasn't working out. And then this week we see that it all worked out. Now maybe it has something to do with uh, Bob, you know, finally being gone. I have no idea, but. I mean, if you look at it, he actually has a higher target share this year than Will Fuller uh, on the season. And so, you know, obviously he hasn't had the the games to, to show for it besides this week. But I really feel like Cooks, Cooks is the one or like maybe it's like a 1A, 1B kind of situation like I was talking about with uh, Carolina. And it's... Uh, you know, I, it's going to be tough to buy or, or whatever, but people might want to sell thinking that they're selling high off of, a, you know, one big game and that, they, you know, they think it's a fluke. But the mm-hmm. numbers really show that it's not as much of a fluke as, as you might assume, you know. I think, too, the play calling, because you talk to anybody, O'Brien had some of the most scripted types of play calling that you've ever seen. Yeah. Run, run, pass. Or like just whatever he was trying to incorporate the run in times when he probably shouldn't have. So I think this actually will open up the offense a lot more with letting Deshaun throw more often. And I actually don't even think that's a bad thing that you have your one A and one B because they do different things. Yeah, a lot of a lot of Cooks plays, which have always kind of been that way, were explosive and you know big yardage plays. But he can he can contribute underneath as well. And you know having Fuller a healthy Fuller on the opposite side is a good deep throw. Uh, will definitely do wonders for the offense. 
Um, it's very interesting though seeing uh, Aikens get another touchdown. When yeah. for what years we saw Deshaun completely just like ignore the tight end position. So is he maturing in his game? Is Aikens just a really good fit? You know, something to consider. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I want to trust anybody besides uh, really Fuller and and uh, Cooks at this point and, and David Johnson. Uh, those are really the only three that I really like want to have any kind of like uh, pieces of because I, I do not want to try. Like you said, uh, he, he, Deshaun's never really done it. So besides a few games, like I, I'll I'll chalk it up as a fluke more than I will like it actually. Uh, being something, but obviously like if it happens again, or if we notice that he's being targeted, even if he doesn't score next week, if we notice he's being targeted, you know, when, when coaching changes happen, like you said, the play calling is going to be different. Like things can change and maybe Romeo Cornell is going to run more, you know, a different team and he's going to utilize the tight end more, but something to keep an eye on. He had a stretch um, last year where he did it. So you could kind of, you could kind of catch that uh, lightning in a bottle, but not something I'd pursue as someone I'd want in my lineup. Exactly. On to the Raiders and the Chiefs. Uh, just a weird, weird game. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to think, honestly. Um, but I, I went back and actually watched some of the the highlights. I didn't get a chance to watch like all the film or anything. I just kind of watched the highlights on um, on Car side because I, I wanted to see, you know, like did he was he making beautiful throws? Was he really like getting the job done? And he did make some nice throws, but I really feel like most of the plays, like the players just wide open rugs was wide open twice, you know, and then, or, you know, if he wasn't wide open, he had burnt his, his, uh, corner and, you know, there was a five yard split there. And then I think, uh, Renfro had a big play where he was literally wide open. And then, um, Aguilar had, uh, like two big plays where he was literally wide open. It just seems like for I whatever the reason, the Chiefs defense, I thought the touchdown was a nice throw to Aguilar, though. Uh, Carr had to fit it between two defenders, and it was it was a good throw. No, yeah, no, you're right. Um, I think there was two, and one of them he was wide open, and the other yeah. one he was like you said there was a, a safety coming from up top, and and, uh, and it was actually a nice throw by Carr. I'm I'm not trying to hate on Carr here. I oh just, no, I agree. He, I understand what you're saying. He 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 just he he does the little dump offs and the little short passes all the time and everything. So when he has a big blow up game like this, I I I tend to not believe it. And so that's why I kind of wanted to go see, you know. But obviously we know that Ruggs is is offering that to the offense and like he is opening the field up. And so it is interesting, but it seemed kind of more like the defenders just didn't want to worry about it. You know, maybe they were watching the Patriots game where the Patriots just completely blanketed the you know first three yards of the of the past the line of scrimmage and it completely worked and maybe they were trying to do something like that and, and it didn't work this time because they had rugs and you know kind of opened things up but uh um, that's totally that's such a good idea or good thought that's good that was what that's what came to my mind but i mean i i, I would like to go and like actually watch the, the full game film on this one because it was like i said it was just a weird game and when you have weird games like that i like to actually see like was it just a fluke or, or, you know, was there like a real reason why this stuff was happening? Do you know who the most accurate quarterback in the league is right now? Uh, is it Carr? It's Carr. It really? Yeah. Wow. Well, you know. It's very interesting though, at... because like even the throw, the pick, he threw a pick when he was trying to throw to, to Waller and he wasn't even close. So <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's, you know, is that, is that going to, show its ugly head again more often or not, you know? Well, yeah, that first, that 
I think he only had one, the one interception, but that that interception was ugly. I mean, it was like, and it was early in the game, and I was like, oh, there's Carr, you know, just being Carr. And then like, and then he had an amazing game after that. Um, as far as the running game goes, I don't, I don't know what to think about Josh Jacobs because I mean, they were ahead in this game the entire time. So you're thinking good game script, you know, like they're gonna they're gonna be using the hell out of Josh Jacobs, and he only had a 59.1 percent opportunity share. Now, maybe they were trying to save them because they were up. But, I mean, it's not like they were – A, they were up against the Chiefs. So, like, I don't think they are like, oh, yeah, we got this game in the bag. And, B, you know, like, it's not like they were ever up by, like, that much. You know, like, they were up by a couple scores. But it's not like they were winning, like, you know, 50 to 10, 10 or something like that, you know. Um, but just, like, Jalen Richard and Devontae Booker still getting touches. And Jalen Richard, you know, had in a good – Oper- or good game script like Jalen Richard actually had more receptions and more targets than Josh Jacobs does did so like he was still on the field on third downs he was still getting you know those kind of touches and I mean we've seen kind of like it be up and down with Jacobs this year but it just it seems like he kind of has that same role from last year and it's uh it's not necessarily like spelling greatness for him you know no it's obviously not the same based on the touches but I feel a lot like Jacobs has similarities in terms of fantasy scoring as Zeke does. Now, not in the the amount of points they're scoring, but the way in which they score their points. Mm -hmm. Where we've always wanted Zeke to be more involved in the passing game. We saw it at, at Alabama that Jacobs can do it, but we're wondering why he's not getting that, that third down work. Obviously Zeke has a much larger share of the carries i'm not making that comparison but more or less that jacobs has had a lot of his points come off of touchdowns where you know you every week you kind of expect Zeke to score a touchdown which i'm not even saying that's a bad thing but if let's say cars play diminishes a little bit or the offense sputters if they're not at the goal line how how many points can jacobs realistically realistically score you know, week in, week out. That's a good question to kind of keep in the back of your head if you if you are uh, a Jacobs owner. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, that's it's just kind of like it's one of those things where if he doesn't score touchdowns, are you going to be like truly happy with your week from Jacobs? And the answer is probably not. You know, there there besides the one week against what the Saints, um, you know, where he blew up. Uh, I, I think it was against the Saints, right? And he. You know, besides that one week, he really hasn't like truly blown up, or maybe it was week one. I don't remember exactly when yeah, it was, but I know they're he had mixing one right big... now. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm getting confusing myself here, but I know he had like the big like three touchdown. I think it was week one, and he just came out like hot, and he had the three touchdowns, yeah. and then and then you know, ever since then, it really just hasn't been quite the same. And uh, it, I don't know. It's just something to keep in mind. If Ruggs opens up the offense, then, you know, maybe it will be different. And if Edwards ever gets back, then, you know, like, and actually like gets on the field, you know, maybe they will be able to open it up a little bit more and it'll, it'll help Jacobs out. But now Edwards take as much time as you need. Let that foot heal. (laughs) We don't, they don't need you at all until you're healed until you're hundred percent. Yeah. We definitely don't want to rush him. No, I've always thought that Ruggs was always going to be, um, a schematic um, advantage, which would help other pe- people inside the offense, even if he was just more of a decoy from certain weeks. Yep. But you can't deny the fact he's getting open, or you cannot deny the fact that he's getting deep. And those those 
balls are getting completed and those plays are going for huge gains. Boys fast. That's all I know. <laughs> I still think uh, he has the, underneath stuff that they're not even using out of his game yet. I really do. Yeah, I think he's actually I don't think he's just like a, a fast guy. Like I, I think he's actually like a good route runner and I think there's more to his game. You know, my it, it's kind of like what I was talking about earlier with uh uh with Marquise Brown, you know, like my problem was never wasn't ever with Ruggs talent. It was just like was Carr going to be able to utilize that talent? Mm-hmm. And that was really my big thing. And especially as much as me and you both love uh, Edwards, you know, I just like, this is going to be difficult because Carr's not going to, I don't think Carr's going to be thrown 50 times a game. And even if he is, there's going to be a lot of dump offs there. And if Ruggs is running deep, you know, how often is that going to work? But um, they, uh, uh, Brent thinks the the Raiders are just good. You know, that, that's all it is. They're, <laughs> they're going to make the playoffs. I, I could see it. I mean, they're, they're playing good ball. Obviously you beat the chiefs and, and you got to, you got to at least a, a solid start to making the playoffs, but yeah. And they, they had, honestly, they, you didn't just like sneak past beating the chiefs. You had, you come in with a game plan that worked and yeah. obviously you have to execute. I've, I've been saying that if Carr can complete the, the intermediate intermediate to deep passing, especially on the sidelines, he keeps the job over Mariota. I don't even think that's a question anymore. But you have to continuously do that. But yeah, I agree. I think I don't think they're a bad team. They just they have not been healthy on defense. They they really need to get their their secondary back into an alignment with you know players that are healthy. Because I think they lost like two or three the first couple weeks, and I think they lost another one. And then Abrams has been popping in and out, I think, once in a while with a little bit of an injury, but he, like he played this week. Um, he yeah, always, it'll be interesting to see how they move forward. Abrams always seems to be like slightly injured, you know, obviously he had like the major injury what, last year, I think, but he, he always seems to be like coming in and out of the games. Like, I, I feel like he's going to be one of those players where it's just like, you know, he misses four plays and then he comes back in and then he misses another six plays. And that he's so he's so physical. Cause that's his game. Honestly, yeah, it's so, probably it's so awesome it watching him on hard knocks last year too. I'm an I'm an SEC fan, so I I try to watch a lot of those games. So, <laughs> well, this is going to be like a four hour show if we don't move on from the Raiders. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, exactly. On the Chiefs side, uh, I really, I really just I don't know. This isn't the first time that Mahomes didn't look that great, and like it was kind of the same thing I was talking about with Lamar earlier. Like he was missing easy dump offs to um, to Edward Tiller. And he, I mean, obviously, like we know Mahomes is Mahomes. Like he still made really nice throws and everything. But once again, he he only had like a slightly above 50% uh, completion rate in this game. And I, I mean, I don't think it's rust. I don't think it's, you know, anything like that. But it just seems like his game's just off. And if his game's off, then the whole offense is off. And you could, you know, see it. Like the only, the only person that really looked like truly good in this game, to me at least, was, um, was Kelsey. You know, Kelsey's just doing Kelsey things. And, you know, obviously, like, Tyreek, you know, still, like, had his his big catch and, and things like that. But it just seems like Mahomes is off, and that just kind of screws up the whole, uh, you know, the, the whole offense. Yeah, they, they definitely should have been able to take more advantage of a depleted Raiders secondary, which they weren't. Uh, the, the, even when they were down and trying to catch up, I don't – I didn't see the – the same um, Chiefs offense that we even saw last week. So it could have just been a really good game plan or they could have been, I don't want to say rattled, but just not centered in however they usually play and 
just kind of bothered by the by the Raiders game plan. I'm not exactly sure. But yeah, actually, when Kelsey got the the long catch down the sideline and he got tackled mm-hmm. like right before the goal line, I thought he was going to come up hobbling because he took a, a major shot going down. Yeah. So yep. that was good to see him just kind of bounce back up. Yeah. Was that the one where it was like helmet to helmet? Or are you talking about something else? Because I, I saw one that was like helmet to helmet. And I was like, oh, God, don't get a concussion. Please don't get a concussion. I think I was looking more at like the legs, which I, he obviously popped oh, up. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't an issue. But when he went down, I was concerned about how he was going to react to the hit. <clears throat> so so Brent, he needs 14 points here. And uh, in full PPR, who are you starting, Singletary or Latavius Murray? Well, I always get these wrong. My gut <laughs> says My gut says Singletary. Uh, he's looked really good the last couple weeks. I don't know if he's hit 14 though. I think he's just been under, I think he's been like at like 13 and a half or 12. Yeah. So you're hoping for two Latavius touchdowns basically or Singletary. And if they shut down Herbert, it could be a Latavius day. I, I, my gut says Singletary, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I mean, it's really tough because Latavius had a hell of a game last week, but, um, they, and, and he he split basically like half the carries and on a Saints offense that's pretty damn nice. I mean, I was looking at it here and Latavius had, uh, I mean he had a forty one point four percent snap share last week. And so you know like in the New Orleans offense, some, sometimes that's all you need, especially because he got some of the goal line touches and, and things of that nature. So I feel like I feel like you said it perfectly. Singletary has not hit fourteen points this year. Murray has. And so I feel like you kind of have to go like, it sounds gross, but I really feel like I would go Murray. And I know we both just gave opposite answers. And so we don't help Brent at all, but <laughs> I think that's uh, I think that's where I'd be going. Like I want, I know that the the Buffalo offense has been pretty hot, but I'd rather go with uh, the saints hot offense than, than have to trust uh, Buffalo. I'm not a huge fan of that, <laughs> especially with their opponent. Well, not to mention we, I mean, it, it could easily be that they we wake up tomorrow and there's another case and then that game's just canceled anyway. Um, I I'm pretty sure we're safe that the Saints are playing tonight. So they you know test, like I, they don't it, test on game day. Oh well, I think but I think they have to uh, in the Titans case because oh okay okay uh, yeah because uh, I I saw that they said I, I read an article earlier. Oh, or, or, I just meant for earlier. tonight. I was just talking about for tonight. Oh no no I'm I was kidding yeah. but I mean the Saints oh. are playing you know like the, the Saints. <laughs> Um, so safety wise, I think you're, you're in much better situation by doing that rather than hoping that a game happens tomorrow. And it seems like it's going to happen, but we also thought that it was going to happen on Sunday and then Monday, (laughs) you know, like that kind of thing. So who knows? Yeah. Uh, Uh, It was probably, if we each had two votes, it's probably going to be three to four Latavius. Yeah. Yeah. I just think it, it just, the more I think about it, I think it's just a little safer, you know? And and maybe a little more upside to where it can actually get you that fourteen points. And uh, and the other thing we didn't really talk about was Moss is back, and you know, like he he didn't play a lot last week, but it was also his first week back. So I'm I'm wondering if you know if uh, he might have a, a few more touches this week than you know, or a little a little bit more uh, of the share this week than he had last week. It's very sad that it's truly a threat that the game getting canceled could actually happen. So I I think that I, I think I like the Latavia side more now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there you go, Brent. Uh so the Cardinals and the Jets. I loved this game. I know it's the Jets, but it was a it was the get right game that Kyler needed and it worked. 
and he looked amazing. And once again, it's the Jets defense. I'm not like <laughs> I'm not trying to take too much away from it, but man, uh, Kyler looked good. It's yeah. I uh, I don't have too much in terms of takes that no. we don't already have opinions on about the players in this game. But no. the Jets can't even convert short fourth fourth downs. Like <laughs> I I think that's all that's all I need to say about the Jets. Um, it's it's great seeing Kyler. Well, he struggled a little bit to start the game, but after that, he he kind of found his rhythm and he was good to go. So, yeah, I would just say it's it. I would much rather see guys be successful in their endeavors than um, fail because we don't want to watch a bad product anyway. Uh, right. You know, Hopkins had his normal game. We still we're seeing Edmonds get you know get the touchdowns, but we're also seeing Drake get the work in some parts as well. I I really think that it, it, there's value in the split with both the backs, especially if you can keep them healthy. Where yeah, yep. you could run one and you might, but you might run them into the ground. I think it's it's way more valuable to have them both as an option in this offense. And to me, like Edmonds looks by far like the best running back out there, <laughs> but it doesn't really matter because Drake still is getting 68% of the opportunity share. Like he's getting all of the touches, you know, Edmonds had, uh, Edmonds had three carries in this game. Now Edmonds is, is by far getting all of the receptions and the targets. And uh, it's weird because they're just not using Drake in that, in that fashion at all. But excuse me. Um, basically until they decide if it even happens, if it ever happens until they actually decide, okay, Edmonds is our guy. Like I don't really want to trust either one of them. Obviously it worked out this week. Edmonds had the big run scored a touchdown, but you know, if he doesn't break off that big run and he only has three carries, then maybe he has three carries for like 15 yards and then five receptions for, I think he had like 27 receiving yards, 24, something like that. And now you're looking at like what, nine points. And eh, you know, I'm not overly excited about that. So uh, like there's worse plays that you could have in a flex or a emergency start a starting position, but I don't want to trust Edmonds until like we actually start to see that opportunity share come down for Drake, but I also don't want to trust Drake. So it's just kind of like a backfield to avoid at this point. I don't know. Yeah. I think they're both flex options at best at this point. Yeah. And then real quick, you know, like you said, there's not too many takeaways from the jets. I mean, it was freaking Joe Flacco out there, but, um, Le'Veon Bell actually looked better than I think people are giving him credit for because I've listened to some pods today and they were like, oh, Bell's washed, Bell's washed. I mean, he still got four yards per carry with Joe Flacco at the helm. You know they were stacking the box against Bell. Um, and like he, he really didn't look that bad. Now, he, did, he only had one target, which is crazy because they were down by far like this entire game. And for Le'Veon Bell to only get one target is insane. And so maybe it's just going to be one of those things like with David Johnson where – B.O.B. finally left and then David Johnson blows up, you know, maybe if we can finally get rid of Gase, then maybe things will change. But I really feel like Bell is a buy low right now, um, because mostly because of the running back situation in the league. You know, if it, if everyone was healthy, then, yeah, he's probably not worth the shit. But, you know, right. But right now, like you need starting running backs, you need running backs that are going to get touches and people hate bell and they hate gase and they hate the jets and there's a lot of good reasons for that but he's still going to put up decent numbers and obviously there's always the chance that like somehow they like 
they uh, somebody fumbles on the one yard line and turns it over, and then they just hand it over to Bell. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. I think I think he's a buy low, especially with people that are once again just looking at the box scores. You know, oh, he didn't he didn't produce at this level or do this. You know, then you can probably try to trade him for um, some sort of mid tier receiver that you know, is having decent weeks, but you're not going to want to trust for long-term and you're trying to find a running back for short-term. I think that's a perfect trade opportunity. Um, I don't think people realize like, or don't fully realize how gross it's going to be in the next few weeks with all these bye weeks regular bye weeks probably even more injuries. And then, you know, COVID bye weeks and, and anything else, or just somebody having COVID, even if the whole team doesn't take a bye, just that one player could possibly get it. And man, if I think it's going to be really ugly and you're going to need every single running back. Uh, actually, we're going to get to it here in the next couple of games, but like Miles Gaskin, I, I was trying to sell him off in, uh, in a couple of leagues just because I had no use for him. I'm like, I, you know, I have so many running backs and all that. And now I'm thinking about actually playing him this week or this upcoming week. Cause he's uh, finally getting some of the workhorse touches, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm in uh, one of my other leagues, my waivers run Wednesday, obviously, but I'm, I got some claims and I, I don't want to talk about it in case someone's listening, but I'm super excited because one <laughs> of them is Gaskins and I'm hoping that I can pull him in, which would be nice just for, you know, to, to, just give a little my running back room a little bit more kick, if that makes any sense. And there's a reason yeah. why he's out there. It's not because this, that, or the other thing. Well, we're already talking about him, so why don't we just get into it? Um, you know, basically, he was the workhorse this week, and uh, you know, he's kind of been the workhorse except for the goal line touches in previous weeks. But this week, he had an 87.5% opportunity share, and he finally got the goal line touches. Jordan Howard was a healthy scratch. Like that is what we needed you know, to have some kind of like semblance of value or a role for Gaskin. And now you're seeing it. And yeah, like maybe their offense isn't that amazing, although they looked pretty good against the 49ers, but the 49ers are just like decimated by injury. Um, So I'm not, I don't believe this is like the new Dolphins, but you know, at at the same time, they are a very young team and they can get better. Um, But right now they're showing us that Gaskin's their man, like 80, 87.5% opportunity share. There's not too many running backs to get that on a weekly basis. And he can easily be a flex for you and possibly a running back too for you now that he's actually getting the goal line touches, you know, because that could be, I mean, we, we saw Jordan Howard had what, four or five touchdowns through the first couple of weeks. Like if those touchdowns were now Gaskin's, we'd be talking about Gaskin as a running back two option at the very least right now. Right. Oh, for sure. I'm, I did not see this coming. Like, yeah, okay. No. So when they played, when they played Jacksonville, we we had a, a, a we did a review on on that week's football game. So I, I thought he ran with you know hunger and he what you want to see in a running back that's not already a stud. He did everything that you wanted out of him. But I never I never saw Miles Gaskins being the player and producing what he's doing this season. But that being said, he's doing it. And once again, the running back landscape is so bad. If you have him, I'm not. I'm not moving him for anything because I think, like you said, he's just getting into um, the role he should have been in when he started. Because mm-hmm. yeah, and actually, Brita got some got some decent, not a ton, but some decent looks compared to his pre- previous week. So I think that Howard might be completely phased out of this offense right now. And 
It sure seems that like speaks it. well for both of them. I actually, I, there were some dying throws from Fitz from Fitzpatrick in this game. Just oh, it was definitely a Fitzpatrick. Yeah, <laughs> it was Fitzpatrick. Yeah, it was it was his good one. Um, yeah. I'll say this though: the, the the this was the team I was talking about more. I think Rondell Moore would look good in a Dolphins jersey next year. I could definitely <laughs> see that, and I mean, I think we're both pretty big fans of Tua, so I. I think that would be that'd be awesome for everyone involved, except for like Preston Williams and Devontae Parker. But <laughs> um, yep. and speaking of which, like Preston Williams actually had a, a finally like had a nice game. Uh, but seeing as how kind of like fluky the whole game was against the 49ers and stuff, like I don't I don't want to trust it. Like he Williams has not looked that good. Like Parker has definitely been the one so far this year. And mm-hmm. it didn't really work out that way this week. But, I mean, I, I definitely need to see more. I mean, there, there's always the chance that Williams is getting back to full health and, and things like that. But I need to see a little bit more before I just go trusting Preston Williams. Uh, I definitely wouldn't be starting him, uh, like, next week unless you're really desperate for, you know, for a receiver. So you're talking about my team. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I did play Preston this week. Um, but I, I actually think – with what you're saying about Preston, I always thought that this year was a year not to make, make judgments due to the ACL. So that's something that I just took to heart, and I was like, you know what? Whatever we see out of him, I'm giving him at least to like midseason next year. But it's nice to see him produce. But I would like to see it more when the game actually was in hand, or before the game was in right. hand. Because right. like the same thing happened with Gallup last week before the Giants game. When it would, when they were playing the Browns, it wasn't until after they were down, you know, twenty some points that he was getting targets. Now I think I'm not trying to change games, but I think that's a function of how they were playing their offense, where he was just having certain routes. But I don't want the same thing to happen to Preston if I'm, you know, trying to have him on my team as for a fantasy option. I want to see him more included in the offense throughout the entire game instead of just like yeah. when it when it's an opportune time where he has you know, one matchup that's good. Yeah. Garbage time stats are, are not what you want to count on in fantasy. Like it, it can work out sometimes. And like, sometimes like Deshaun Watson, like he's actually made a career off of it or at least a fantasy career off of it. But like, you don't want to, you don't want to trust too many people that way. Um, on the other side of the ball, man, Jimmy G just looked like straight garbage. I mean, it was bad. Uh, I really, I'm hoping for his sake, not that I've ever thought he was like this amazing quarterback or anything, but I'm really hoping for his sake that it was just the ankle. It was still bothering him. Uh, you know, maybe there was a little bit of rust involved, although he only missed a couple of weeks. So I don't know how much rust you can get you know, uh, from just a week or two, but I mean, he just looked bad. And obviously like they benched him for, for good reason, but I mean, it's not like, uh, but Beathard looked that much better, but you know, they need to get Jimmy G back on, on track. You know, I feel like Jimmy G needs, uh, he doesn't like pressure and a good running game will obviously keep the, the linebackers off you for a little bit longer and slow down a pass rush. But I really, I think that's the way that you beat San Francisco. Obviously you shut the running game down to, but you put pressure in his face or you make him even think the element of pressure is coming because even against Arizona, when he did that stupid double spin, like, what are you, what are you doing? There was nobody even there. So I really think that he's got an issue with, with dealing with pressure 
Now, yeah, it could have been, like I said, the, the, the injury could have still been in the back of his mind. and He's like, I got to protect myself or I know I'm not as mobile as I need to be or whatnot. So that could have been the case. But yeah, that he did not look at it at all. No. And then I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Is Was Raheem Mostert the most underappreciated running back this offseason? Because that dude is a stud. Like, he's legit. I think so many people wanted to not give him credit where there was just like, oh, it's a, it's, you know, it's a Shanahan thing. And I, I saw the pop a couple of years ago and I was like, I believe in this guy, but then I, I let him go because I traded him because <laughs> I needed a quarterback and it ended up being Matt Ryan who destroyed my season last year. But yeah, no, I agree with you. He's so, he's so explosive and he's, he's actually really patient in his ability to, he doesn't always hit the big ones, but they're not, there's not always big ones to, to, you know, big runs to hit right. every single time, but he's looking for it. And yeah, I agree. He's super underrated. Now his age and his, his contract says before the extension or before the in, increase in, in salary may have played a part in that during the off season. But you know, That's if true. you have him, you, you have to be excited to, to own him, and you cannot be happy going up against him in, in any week. No, and I mean he, he's to the point of like full on starter for your team. You know, it's, it's not even a doubt anymore. Like he, he's almost an RB one. You know, for your team, really. Like he's, I I didn't think he was going to get a full workload this week. You know, I kind of thought they were going to ease him back in, um, coming off the MCL sprain. Mm-hmm. But uh, in fact, I, I started McKinnon in one of my leagues just because I didn't I didn't truly feel like the I felt like it, especially like McKinnon's had a, a nice role every week. Except for this week, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the one mm-hmm. week that I decided to, to play him, um, and I also have Mostert on that on that team. So like mm-hmm. I could have easily played Mostert, and I actually had Mostert in my lineup in one at one point. And then I was like, no, I think they're going to ease him in. It's the Dolphins, you know. Like I, they don't, they'll just play McKinnon. They'll be at smart. They'll be smart, and nah, it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, Luckily, I still here. won. I still won the com- or that that competition, but uh, it was more that my opponent was not very good than, than I made the right decisions that week <laughs> this week. I, I made a pretty bad call. I played Jones over Goff in the league. And that means Oof. I need, I need some points from Keenan tonight. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'm not proud of it. I, I got to own it though. I'm not proud of my decision. <laughs> no, I mean, Hey, we're not perfect. Sometimes we make, uh, sometimes you just overthink it, you know, like Daniel Jones has been really bad, but he's going up against the Cowboys, you know, like that kind of thing. And uh, hey, it's sometimes like you, you were in my head. It. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. I knew exactly what was going through that mind. You know, it's like, Oh, but it's the Cowboys <laughs> and you're drooling and all that kind of good stuff. And they put up 34 and he doesn't throw a touchdown. <laughs> Thanks. Out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, We'll get to that one here in a little bit. <laughs> um, actually, no, we're already talking about it. Let's just jump right in. I my my note, my first note is Daniel Jones is exactly who I thought he was, and I mean, I I preached all off season. I preached all last season. Like, don't get caught up in the flute games. Don't get caught up in the four touchdown games. You got to look deeper than that. Like, what is he doing every week? And what he was doing every week was fumbling making terrible throws that, but the thing was like, they weren't being intercepted. He had a crazy amount of danger plays last season, but he only had like 12 interceptions, which is still a decent amount, but he had like 40 danger plays. So he could have had, you know, double, he could have had double that amount of interceptions or even more. 
And now like this year, we're kind of seeing all of that come to fruition. He's still having the fumbling concerns because he holds onto the ball too long. Um, he's obviously still throwing picks and, and he's just, just not good. And the Cowboys defense is absolute garbage. And he still looked terrible. Now, Darius Slayton had a nice game, but once again, the Cowboys defense hasn't been able to stop anyone. And I mean, we've seen terrible teams put up great yardage, great points and everything. So, I mean, it does, it does. I will say like, it does appear like Slayton is the one right now um, for that, for that team. But is that something to be excited about? I don't know. I think um, if you can go get Slayton for a good price, you should go do it. Because he, I think he's got some some flair to him. He's got some flash, and I like that. Now, I agree. Dan Jones has not played well. He turns the ball over. And I'm really surprised by a guy that's able to run how poor he looks when he's trying to scramble. Like, <laughs> even evading people in the pocket, he, I don't know what it is. I don't know if he's just not quick twitch in that in that manner, but it just doesn't work out for him. But then he'll yeah. he'll roll to the sidelines and he'll throw the prettiest pass to to Slayton. So I agree with you. He's been awful. But then he'll show you this like perfect flair that like I don't think a lot of quarterbacks can make certain throws that he was making in certain situations when he's on the run. So I see that um, there's no way you can play Daniel Jones. But <laughs> I still believe that there's something in there if he can somehow either gain more confidence or get coached up or I'm not sure. I don't want to even use like the blanket offensive line thing. Cause I'm not even sure like, because we've seen player players play behind bad offensive lines and succeed. So I don't want to even make that like the case, but I feel like if there, if, if maybe a little bit of each of those things comes to fruition, we could see a much better Daniel Jones. But at this point, I don't, <laughs> you, you can't have much faith in, in what you're seeing. And I will say this, Giants. like I, oh, go, go ahead. I was gonna say, like I, I expected him to be worse than people expected, but I did not expect him to be this bad. So I do think there's a potential for him to be usable at least. Like even though he's not going to be the four touchdown games from last year or anything like that, like I think he he could be usable for bye weeks and things like that. Which right now you can't even say that. So like I think there will be better days. But you know how much better is I guess the real question. Very true. I just the the Giants should have won this game as well with how <laughs> bad Daniel Jones played. They just kept continuously finding ways to shoot themselves in the foot the entire yep. game, from the Evan Ingram fake field goal touchdown to other touchdowns being pulled off the board. You just yep. can't do that like that. It. I don't even want to blame the coaching because a lot of times I would, but like it's just situations where it's just the players have to execute and in certain spots they weren't. So. Yeah, I agree. Uh, obviously on the Cowboys side of the ball, Dak had the terrible injury um, compound fracture to the ankle. It looked as gross as it sounds. And you know, it's, uh, you never want to see a guy holding his leg and like the, the ankle just dangling there. Um, but I mean, they're, their defense is just so bad, like you said, that they still let the Giants stay in this game. As bad as Daniel Jones was, as bad as the Giants' offense was, uh, they still kind of stayed in the game. And now, you know, once again, it's a divisional game, and those always stay a little closer than people expect or think. But uh, 
and especially being that it's a Jason Garrett led Giants uh, team, you know he he has a little bit of insight on, on the ins and outs of the of the Cowboys, so that that definitely doesn't hurt anything. But I mean, Zeke looked great to me, like legit great, not just like oh he he got a bunch of touches or anything. Like he was actually making guys miss. He it looked like he's been doing it all year, but I don't think that it's really like shown up completely in, you know, like when you're, when you're watching it, uh, it's just kind of more, especially if you're watching red zone or something like that, like it, not all of his, his runs have been like um, these amazing, you know, highlights or anything like that. But this week he was, he was cutting, he was juking, he was making guys miss and it, it really showed up. And then obviously he got the touchdowns. I think with, uh, I think with Dalton coming in, you know, they're just going to rely on Elliot even more. And, you know, like I, I could definitely see uh, like his touches going up at the very least, you know, even if uh, even if nothing else really changes. And, you know, we know that he's going to get you at least, you know, what, four or five yards of carry. So if his touches goes up, go up, it's just going to help. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with you on Zeke. There have been previous weeks, even when he flashes his, his new tattoo on his stomach, that it just <laughs> felt like, OK, where it's a day at the office. It looked like he had some fire in his yeah. his gut this week i agree with you 100 percent. with uh maybe he's just dalton, sick of losing you know <laughs> probably but with dalton coming in it's a, um obviously i believe it's more zeke oriented but i'm wondering how that this changes the target share for the wide receivers like i think i think cooper should absolutely be getting a massive share no i'm not even saying that it's gonna change for for lamb or Gallup, but i'm wondering if Dalton is able to throw the ball outside more than Dak is not saying he will, but does that play more towards his play style where the perimeter wide receivers get more play where that might be what, I don't know, helps them win games. I don't know, but I agree. I think it should be, it should be an increased load on Zeke for sure. Yeah. And I went back and watched the the film on this one. I, and I actually watched the coach's film because I wanted to see like what was going on. Cause Amari only had like the four targets and most of those came once Dalton came into the game. Um, I think he only had one or two targets from Dak and it was just, it was like, what is going on? Cause I mean, he's been a target Hawk this entire season. And Mike then McCarthy, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> but it was uh Watching the film, I really think the Giants just decided that they were not going to cover the middle of the field, and it looked like they were playing zone, and but yet they were not covering the middle of the field. And so, and CD was in the middle of the field like ninety percent of the time, and it was just like, oh look, there's CD running by himself, and there's four Giants like <laughs> ten yards away in each direction, and yet you know it was it was too easy of, of throws, like he was too wide open for him not to throw, like Dak not to throw. And I'm looking, and it wasn't just Amari. Gallup was wide open. Amari was wide open, but CD was so wide open right in the middle field of the field, right directly in front of Dak. Like it was just too easy for him to not, you know, to decide to go anywhere else. And so I just really feel like it was just one of those games where for whatever reason, they decided we're not going to cover this new, you know, hot rookie. And we're just going to, we're just going to like, kind of like, I don't, I don't even know what they're doing. Maybe they were trying to stop the run. It wasn't working, but it uh it did not work <laughs> like their defensive scheme de- defensive plan was uh was no 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 bueno <laughs> <laughs> no bueno thank you i agree <laughs> yeah um but i mean but then going forward like you were saying with dalton once dalton came in he was looking at amari uh he was looking at gallup you know and, and he looked at cd too it, it, i 
I feel like people expect it to be a huge drop off from Dak to Dalton, and I don't think it's going to be quite the drop off that that people are expecting. Uh, not saying that Dak is or Dalton's as good as Dak or anything like that. Um, obviously, we know that he can't get out of the pocket or you know produce in that nature. But uh, as far as like getting the ball to the good receivers that they have, I think that Dalton can absolutely do that. I agree. I, I obviously he's not remotely the same in terms of talent level. But he's serviceable, and in an offense that should be as good as this as this one should be, I you could still expect some pretty decent passing games from Dalton, which then translates to good receiving games for the receivers. So, hundred percent agree. All right, let, let's try and get through. We have three games left. Let's try and get through them quickly. We got football okay. starting. Um, My fault. So <laughs> no, no. It's not. Hey, I'm I'm doing the same thing. I'm just talking, but. Uh, Sanders got stifled by the Steelers defense, except for the one big run. Not surprised at all. It was nice that he got the run. Obviously, it was nice that he got the two touchdowns, but I don't think you can take anything away from Sanders or you know the we we just know the Steelers defense is good. Would you yeah, agree? Yeah, he got out. He the long run was just on a sellout blitz that he got got out in front of. So there were no defenders left to go tackle him. Yeah, but I mean, you're starting Sanders if you have him. Uh, so it's not like there's any big questions there. Uh, Wentz needs an O line and some receivers, like desperately. <laughs> um, and then something is definitely going on with Ertz. I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's injury. I don't know if it's just Wentz doesn't have enough time, but uh, it definitely feels like something's going on with Ertz. I mean, I've never seen a guy like that that's been, been able to like just be basically a wide receiver in the past go and get like what six targets and one catch <laughs> like uh, that's uh that's uh just something's going on like i said yeah he um he's too talented in terms of his experience as well as he's always been good with the nuance stuff you don't lose that like jason winton still has that you don't lose the nuance stuff right. that's how he's always won so yes i think something is going on with i agree with you 100 yeah it, it doesn't feel right um on the other side of the ball, uh, Connor didn't look that great, but honestly, like McFarland and Snell didn't look that great either. So we know the Eagles' run defense is pretty good. You know, maybe we'll just chalk it up to that that kind of like we did with uh, Sanders. But not that I think Connor's really that amazing of, an, of a running back. But you know, he, I think he had like three point six yards per carry or, or something like that. You know, nothing nothing too special. That uh, obviously, my like my takeaway was that yeah. they were trying to avoid rushing up the middle or avoid the line as much as possible. Even, even like the end arounds to Claypool, they weren't even looking to run the ball. They with the running backs, they were trying to get to the edge. Yep, no, I, I agree. Uh, and then obviously, like you, you already mentioned it, Claypool, uh, he was the big storyline. Uh, do you believe it? Because I went back and watched it, and I don't think I believe it. I've always had like the be based on his size and his you know his athletic profile and all this stuff, and the fact he can go and do seventeen cartwheel or flips in a row tumbles or whatever <laughs> you always have to kind of drool over the athleticism but it's so hard to predict what a receiver in this this offense is going to do every week because it was supposed to be juju then Deontay was supposed to blow up and then we're seeing them basically target claypool in every part of the offense this week i don't i don't i don't think that you can say he's not something and i'm not even saying that i believe he's not something I just would say temper expectations. Like I'm not going out there and throwing a bunch of picks to try to trade for him, but I'm also not trying to trade him for nothing. If I own him, I'm more or less no, holding agree. steady. So, so, it, you know, the plan before that, before he blew up, I wasn't going to do anything with him either. So it really feels like McCole Hardman to me. 
but in you know not as explosive of an offense. You know, just like he has he has the speed where he can break away and he can get you these big games or big you know touchdown plays. But um, you know, like I said, watching it, the the one run was just a nice the the one end around run was just a great play call. I mean, there was no one around. I mean, he used his speed. He did what he was supposed to do, but it wasn't like he did anything amazing to like actually like score a touchdown. He just he ran for three yards, um, and then and then the, one of the touchdowns was basically just a broken play where the um, they had a linebacker covering him for whatever reason, and the linebacker fell down and he just trots in for a touchdown, um, and then. The, the, the other one, like the little dump off quick screen was some of the best blocking by wide receivers I've ever seen. I mean, they there, there was not a defender that wasn't being blocked and there wasn't a defender that had a chance to get to Claypool. So once again, Claypool did absolutely nothing wrong. He did exactly what he was supposed to do, but it wasn't like he did anything absolutely amazing that like earned him a touchdown or, you know, or anything like that. It was just the play that was called and, and things like that. So I feel biggest- like it was very fluky, but you know. My biggest takeaway would just be the fact that the uh, that they did script those plays for him, so yeah, that's at true. least something to think about. You know, it could have been though that you know Johnson wasn't one hundred percent yet, or whatnot, or this was just the way that they were going to beat Philly. You know, I'm not saying it can't happen again, but I, I give him is that much credit at least that they were recognized when designing the game plan that these plays were going for Claypool. No, I agree. I was just, I, that was what I was saying. Like, it feels like Hardman, you know, like everyone thinks that Hardman has it in him, but we know he's just not getting enough touches or enough snaps on a weekly basis to where, uh, you know, it's, it's going to happen like weekly and or enough to trust him weekly, you know, maybe okay. in the future, you know, Watkins goes away, you know, maybe Juju goes away for the Steelers and maybe you can trust him then, but uh, we're not doing a very good job of going quickly here. No. <laughs> By the way, I think Juju uh, does leave. I don't think Juju comes back to Pittsburgh. Uh, definitely doesn't seem like it, and I mean, uh, yeah, that one's uh, that one's weird too. But uh, Browns Colts uh, Baker looked pretty damn good, and the Colts defense is no joke. I mean, they literally like rank number one or like top five in every single like defensive metric, and yet Baker looked really good. I was actually kind of worried. I I have Baker in a couple leagues, and I was I was kind of worried about starting him. I did, but uh, it, I wasn't like overly excited about it. He looked good. Um, they spread the ball out a lot, so it wasn't really – no one in particular had like a huge game. Austin Hooper got 10 targets, uh, and I think Landry and OBG, OBJ both had nine targets. Uh, but no one really had like a big blow-up game like obviously we, we had in, in the previous week. Um, and then the only other thing, I, I my personal opinion, I feel like they missed Chubb in this game. Like obviously they won. I mean, they didn't miss him. <laughs> They didn't miss him that much, but like, and w- and once again, the Colts defense is good, but Hunt did not look the same as uh, what Chubbs looked like running the ball for the past few weeks. You know, I have to provide transparency and say I honestly did not see this game. Okay. I haven't watched it yet, so I don't have anything to share in this game. Okay. Uh, I can tell you Rivers is done. You don't need to watch it. <laughs> He's just done. He's completely washed. Uh, straight garbage. Jonathan Taylor is not being used right, and I do not want a single wide receiver or uh, tight end on the Colts. Don't care. Although Trey Burton is kind of intriguing if you can get him extremely cheap, uh, but even then, I don't want to trust anyone on that offense right now. Uh, 
Except for Jonathan Taylor. Like, I'll still start Taylor, but, like, they're just not using him right. He's, he's only getting, like, a 50% opportunity share or something right around there. They're not really using him. I mean, they're using him in the receiving game, but, you know, it's just he, – he they should be, especially with how Rivers looks, like, they should be just putting putting the entire team on his back and running, 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 and they're not they're not doing that. And then that brings us to the final game, and that's the Vikings and the Seahawks. Uh, ugly, ugly start for the Seahawks. Uh, it was – I was like, what's going on here? And then, obviously, like the second half uh, completely turned it around and you know, it looked very different. But to me, like Madison actually looked better than Delvin Cook, uh, in my opinion. Once Cook went down with the groin injury, Madison came in. I mean, he was just t- breaking off chunk run after chunk run. And I mean, really look good. Like I feel like they're not going to miss a beat, even if Cook is is out. And obviously, if you had Madison as a backup, um, you know, I think you'll be perfectly fine. Um, I'm excited to see a little bit of Mike Boone as well. Um, yeah, the, the Vikings are really dumb for not kicking that field goal to make it go to eight. That was really yep. dumb. Sorry, <laughs> really dumb. But uh, yeah, I, what do you got? What's your opinion on DK? Of I don't. I'm especially in this offense with Russ cooking. I don't ever want to overreact one way or another to a good or bad game from either Lockett or DK. Yep. But are are we evolving in our take about how we feel about DK for Dynasty? I think it's hard not to at this point. I mean, you know, I said I said going into the year that it was it was going to still be Lockett as the target leader and, and and everything like that. And I mean, it's very close, but so far it's it's DK by like one or two targets. I think uh, DK has like thirty three or thirty four, and uh, Tyler Lockett has like thirty two. Now, obviously, Lockett catches more balls, or you know, has a higher catch rate, like a much higher catch rate, and so it can, especially like for PPR purposes, it can really kind of like flatten out, but DK's cut all these touchdowns. The only thing I, I'm concerned about is when the touchdowns go away, which can definitely happen. And and we see it happen all the time with players, you know, like I've mentioned it with Mark Andrews in the past, you know, when the touchdowns go away, now you have like four points for Mark Andrews. You're not happy with that. And I mean, we haven't seen it yet really, but uh, when the touchdowns go away inevitably for DK, are you still going to be happy with his four catches? You know, now he's had like 90 or a hundred yards uh, roughly in every game. So you probably still would be, you know, okay with it. But, you know, in PPR, you're, you're going to have what 13 points, you know, like you're not going to be overly excited with that, but it seems like he has a floor and obviously we know he has a ceiling. So like you have to move him up. You have to, you have to change your take, you know, at least a little bit. I mean, Russ, the way that Russ is playing right now, it's almost impossible not to change your opinion on, on it. And, you know, we want to see, I, I want to see Lockett get more involved like he has been. And I don't really know what's you know happened the past couple of weeks. It's just been a fluke or what, but uh, it's, uh, it's a little disconcerting because I was excited about Lockett and, you know, he, he hasn't done much in two weeks, but he started out so hot. I mean, he was the number two wide receiver in going into week three or week four. And, you know, and now obviously he's dropped, but I, I need to figure out which locket is, you know, which locket's the truth. When watching the game yesterday, and I actually had locket in the lineup, so I was kind of, I was locking on the locket, going, "Who's <laughs> a locket?" Russ didn't look his way that much this game. 
Now it could have nope. just been the way that they they rotated their defenders and kind of planned to play that way. But from what I saw, it was a DK game plan, at least on for the Seattle for, for Seattle when they were reacting to what Russ was reacting to what the defense was throwing him. Because yep. there were plays where he, his I don't want to say he stared him down, but there were plays where you could tell he wasn't taking his eye off DK and didn't even look to the, the side that Lockett was on. As well as I feel like Brett Swain should get a look in terms of joining a dynasty roster. He could be very interesting in the years to come. And I, I'm a David Moore fan and I feel like this Swain seems to be in the spot where he's, he can be targeted just based on the way they run their offense. But I was going to say, I mean, couldn't you have said the same thing about David Moore like two weeks ago? You know, it kind of feels like it's it's more like Russ is is cooking, and it's just whoever happens to be open, you know, that week, like that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, and got so the matchup. Mm-hmm. yeah, and exactly. Olsen had a game too. Um, yep. Earlier weeks, he had a, what at least a touchdown or maybe two in one game. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Olson has definitely been usable, but uh, I mean, at this point, I'm starting everyone, even if it's Swaim or you know whoever, like in, in emergency situations. Like I'm starting anyone on that offense until I see it change, because like we know it's going to regress, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen this week. So until I actually see it change, until I see it happen, which I kind of thought was happening in the first half of the game, um, then I'm still I'm starting all my guys dk lockett whatever obviously if, if we see that lockett just isn't being targeted anymore if we have another week or two then we have to change our opinion again but uh i'm not giving up on lockett just because of yeah. two like l- lower games um there was also some you know some misplays uh in the past some uh some uh pass interference calls and, and things that didn't help out but uh you know like i said we just have to keep watching but the the way that lockett started out the season, I don't think unless he has some mystery injury that we don't know about, I don't think he just like all of a sudden forgot how to play football or anything. <laughs> no. Yeah. This is, like I said, this is a, the the case in which the two wide receivers, you have to remain the most centered on as possible. Exactly. So, well, we got through all of them. Uh, actually it wasn't that terrible a timing because uh, football just started. So we're going to get out here and, and go watch us some, uh, some saints. But I appreciate you jumping on with me at Nubs, and uh, we'll uh, we'll be back next week for the for the week six Sunday recap. Yes, sir. Have a good night, everyone. See you guys.